Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you call us to come together as a family. We know that you work in, we each have an individual relationship to you, and each one of those are special. But it's also special to come together and see how, to understand that it's never hopeless, that you will always find a way to be with each one of us. And then we can share, we can grow, get stronger, and we can praise you together, Lord. We do this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank David Drum for coming today and bringing our message. Let's worship our Lord. Out of the hope for each day, we have kind of an interesting message, as always. It's always interesting. Blessings of burdens. The Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his suffering ones, taken from Isaiah 49, 13. Comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as adversity. Out of pain and problems have come the sweet, sweetest songs, the most poignant of poems, the most gripping stories, and the most inspiring lives. Yet it is hard to think about this when troubles overwhelm us or uncertainty and fear grip our hearts. Our problems are real, and it is difficult in the heat of the moment to think of anything else. In my travels over the years, I have often visited Switzerland and gone soaring above the countryside on their chairlifts, high in the Alps. Looking down, we can see an almost a carpet of wildflowers, some of the most beautiful in the world. Only a few months before, those plants are covered with thick snow. They're buried. Yet, that snow has prepared the way for their growth, providing them with water and even insulating them from the winter winds. Our burdens can be just like that. That's preparing the way for something beautiful once the winter has passed. Hope for today, when you have felt closer to the Lord um, of prosperity, when have you felt closer to the Lord in times of prosperity or pain? Scripture says that God is close to the brokenhearted. Whatever your trial, ask God to make his presence known, and he will.
Our Old Testament scripture days comes from Psalm 67. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile in favor on us. May your ways be known throughout the earth, your sayings, power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God, yes. May all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy, because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise you, O God, yes. May the na all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us, and people all over the world will fear him. We say our Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I'm coming 
Our New Testament reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 10 through 28. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come in here. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you said? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the, the heart came, come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O, o Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, he said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Take your bulletin, we have a responsive reading. May God the Father bless us. May Christ take care of us. The, the Holy Ghost enlightened us all the days of our lives. The Lord be our defender and keeper of body and soul, both now and forever to all the ages. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know all belongs to you. We know that you have entrusted things to us and that you call for us to give back, to help others. Part of that trust you have put in us, you call on us to trust back that you will, you will do the right thing with whatever, and do it in the way that you see fit. So, Lord, the gifts that we gave today, the blessings that 
you have bestowed upon us. May they come to have others know, come to know you and your son. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have visiting with us today, Pastor David Drum and his wife. I don't know your wife's name. Valerie. Valerie, welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, Pastor Drum has worked full time for the unity within the Christian church here in Tucson and maybe around further than that since 2011. And part time before that, as he was serving as the Community of Hope pastor from two, uh, 1990 to 2011. While working as the church domain director for For Tucson, which many of you are familiar with the wonderful work For Tucson does, he authored Jesus' Surprise Strategy, and If It Was Easy, and I think he has that book back for us today, um, Jesus would, would not have prayed for it. And then in 2018, he founded the ministry which he is currently serving in, and it's called the J17 ministry. It is taken from John 17 and the prayer Jesus had for unity of the church body. Um, he applies this prayer for unity uh, to the place he says it's needed, needed most, which is in politics. And out of that, he, he also recently published a book which is called The Good News in a Donkey-Elephant War. And I presume you have that back there as well. Okay, so with that, we welcome Pastor Drum. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Well, good morning. Okay, is, is it all right to be out here? that going to bother anybody? Okay, <laughs> very good. Um, I'd like to be a little bit closer. So, um, A few minutes ago, when uh, you were leading us in prayer and there was that moment of silence, and we were praying for people to, who didn't know Jesus to come to know Jesus, how many of you thought of a child or grandchild in that time frame? I did. Um, when we're praying for people that we know and love to come to know Jesus, the great news is Jesus is praying along with us. And so this morning, we want to take a look. Um, we prayed the Lord's Prayer together. This is the Lord's other prayer. This is the prayer that the Lord prayed rather than the one that he taught. And it's from John 17. I want to read just a few verses for you as we get started. This is John 17, starting with verse 20. Jesus prayed, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, and he was talking about the 12 that were right there with him, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Our game plan this morning, I want to take a look at John 17 and the first time through we're going to ask the question, what kind of unity did Jesus pray for? Because the prayer is actually very specific about that. And there's a number of things that we can learn about that unity. 
Then the second time through, we're going to ask, how is that unity achieved? Because Jesus also shows us what that looks like as well. So um, to start with, if we've got the, is there a picture? The one, I think it's the slide right before this. That didn't come through. Okay. Well, if you can imagine a picture, <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's a, my wife and I had the, there it is, that's the picture. So um, this picture was taken, uh, I took it actually, um, my wife and I had the privilege two years ago, almost two years ago, to go to the Holy Land, and this picture is taken from the roof of the upper room. And if you can see, I'll point it out here, right there, that's the Dome of the Rock. That's the place where the temple would have been in Jesus' day. And so it's very possible that this is where Jesus prayed the prayer. He might have even had a similar view as that view. He might have been looking toward the temple. We don't know that. But we, there's a very good possibility that he was in the upper room when he prayed this prayer. So he might have been right there when he was praying, and he would have been able to see the temple. Um, so uh, it was just it was an awesome experience to be able to be there and see what it probably looked like when Jesus was there. So now we can go on to the next slide. Um, and the first description that we have of unity comes down in verse 11. Yep, you've got the right one. So Jesus prays, when he prays that we would be one, he prays that we would be one like he is one with the Father. So the reason I showed that slide, one reason, um, where was Jesus when he prayed the prayer? Well, we don't know exactly, but we can know pretty close. Um, he might have been right where that picture was taken when he prayed the prayer. Well, where was the Father when he prayed the prayer? We would say in heaven is the language we usually use. We could also say everywhere because he's omnipresent. The point is, they're not exactly the same. Jesus had a physical body. The Father does not. So when Jesus prays that we would be one like he is one with the Father, he's not praying for uniformity. He's not praying that we would be identical with each other. He's praying that we would be united with each other. Another way that we might say it, he's not praying that we would all be alike. He's praying that we would all be aligned. And that's, um, that helps us a lot because um, when, he, when he's praying for us, he's not praying that every church look exactly the same. He's not praying that every person in every church would be exactly the same. You all have different gifts, different interests, different possibilities, but it goes even bigger when we step outside of just each individual church. Um, next Sunday, I have the privilege of preaching in an African-American church, Living Water Ministries. It'll probably be a little bit different than this one. <laughs> just a little bit different. The week after that, we'll be in an Assembly of God church. And that also will be a little bit different. So Jesus isn't praying that all of us do our worship exactly the same. He's praying that we would all recognize that we're on the same team. We're not alike, but we're aligned. In this uh, season that we're in in our country with such incredible unrest on so many different fronts, um, Jesus is praying that our, our race, races, that ethnically, 
we would come to understand ourselves as on the same team, even though we each bring different gifts to the table. So that's the first important thing that we learn about unity. It's not uniformity. It's unity that Jesus is praying for. Okay, we can go to the next one. The unity that Jesus is praying for is a public unity, not a private unity. Jesus cares about the unity inside this church, and I sense that you have a good deal of that here, and praise God for that. But he's also praying for unity that goes between the churches. Because unless the unity is public, unless it has a, a way to get outside the walls of the church, none of the cars driving down Old Spanish Trail right now will ever know about it. Um, because they're, probably they aren't even thinking about what's happening inside the building. They're moving on to their own, to whatever their destination is. So um, I heard in one of the announcements that you're taking up school supplies. Um, churches coming alongside schools is one of those public unity things that's happening all over our city. Over 80% of the public schools in Tucson have been adopted by a church. Fort Tucson has been a big player in that, um, in helping to make that happen. So that's a public expression of unity that the world gets an opportunity to see. That's part of what he's praying for here. It's not just private unity inside the walls of the church, but public unity that the rest of the city gets to see. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, in verse 17, Jesus prays, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We could hold up the scriptures and say that the unity that Jesus is praying for is going to be found here. It's centered in the truth. Jesus isn't praying for a cheap unity, a watered-down unity. He's praying for a substantive unity that's centered in him. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere? You heard that? Is that true? Uh, not in the least. It makes a great deal what we believe. And so the unity that Jesus is praying for is not the world's kind of unity, but it's going to be centered in the Word, and it's going to be founded in Jesus himself. It's, it has to be centered in Jesus. It doesn't bypass Jesus. That makes sense? All right, we got two more. Um, the next description is down in verse 20. This is part of what we read. It's coming. There it is. Um, this is a unity that is true for every generation. Because Jesus, specifically when he was praying, he said, May they, um, he, he said, I'm praying not only for those who I'm here with right now, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Well, who's that? This is where everybody's hand goes up in the air. <laughs> um, he's praying that for us. We literally are the ones, one of the ones that was standing there was John. John recorded the prayer for us. We're literally believing through John's message. We're, we just read it. So he's praying this prayer for us. This is his prayer for the church in Tucson, Arizona in 2020. And it's his prayer for every generation and every locale. It's not a time-bound prayer. Um, that's why I think it's so strategic 
that, that we don't give it credit enough for the strategy behind this prayer. Jesus could have prayed anything that he wanted to as he was getting ready to go to the cross. I didn't mention this, but the time that Jesus prayed this prayer was Thursday night before Good Friday. So this is within hours of him giving his life on the cross. He, he's going to pick out what he thinks is going to be most strategic and most important to pray for, and it's our unity. I never would have guessed that. Never would have guessed that it's that important. But we'll see how and why in the next one, which is down in verse 23. Unity is not the end, it's the means to the end. Verse 23 says, May we be brought to such complete or perfect unity that what? That the world around us would come to know that you sent me, the identity of Jesus, and that you love them just as much as you love me. So when we were praying for people to come to know Jesus who don't presently, come, don't presently know Jesus, Part of the answer to that prayer is going to be our unity with each other inside the church and between churches, public so that the world gets a chance to see it. We get to be part of the answer to Jesus' prayer. And any step that we take that draws us in closer unity with other believers around the city and around the world, any step that we take is, is helping to answer Jesus' prayer. Now, that's not my idea. That's what Jesus prayed. I'm just taking him seriously, taking his word for it. Let me share a quick story about how, how that works. So when I was the church domain director of For Tucson, my colleague Bernadette Gruber was the education domain director, and we had the privilege of being able to um, meet with most of the superintendents of the school districts because we represented more than just one church. Again, it was that public unity. We're representing the whole Christian church in the city, in a sense. So we were able to have an audience with many of the superintendents. And in TUSD, the largest and most troubled school district of all of them, um, they actually invited us to start meeting monthly with all of their department heads in the whole district. So we got to know them very, very well. Well, that very first meeting... There was this one woman who was sitting there, and the best way I, I can describe it is that her body language was not subtle. <laughs> um, her, her body language was screaming with every pore in her body, get these Christians out of this room. She was not subtle. She was not happy that we were there. And I don't remember if it was that first meeting or it might have been the second meeting, but uh, um, I, I, I know that she, I just know she used this example in order to, well, we'll test it out and see if these Christians really have anything to offer. She picked the most challenging case she could think of. She worked in dropout prevention, so she had a really tough job. So she said, all right, I got one for you. I've got a family that has 10 children. The dad's in prison. The mom ought to be in prison. Um, they're in multiple different schools in our district. They need everything. What can you do for them? <laughs> so Bernadette says, well, give me some contact information. And she contacts, she gets three different churches that agree to adopt this one family 
and we're able to make a significant difference. They needed transportation. They, they had all kinds of needs. Um, but we made a significant difference as a unified body of Christ for that family. Well, that, she clearly took note of that. Um, by about the sixth month, she made the comment um, to us, because we're there every month. She said, I got a question for you guys. Why is it that every time I ask somebody else in the district for help, the answer is always no, but anytime I ask you Christians for help, the answer is always yes. I don't understand that. Isn't that a great reputation for the body of Christ to have? That we're the ones that are able to actually provide help? So fast forward to the last meeting of that first school year. It's May. And Bernadette, like Bernadette would do, baked a bunch of cupcakes and brought them in and everything. We're serving them to everybody. And she and a friend of hers made this comment. She said, you know, um, our job here is so hard on so many different levels. And it's just depressing much of the time. The best day of the month is the day you Christians show up. Isn't that exactly right? Thank you, Lord. So year two, we're back. <laughs> we keep coming. Well, we offered trainings on church school partnerships. Maybe some of you participated in some of them um, around the city. And um, they're unapologetically Christian. Remember, the unity that Jesus is praying for is a substantive unity. She, how did she refer to us? As you Christians. So she knew exactly who we stood for, who we worshipped. She, she knew who we were. Well, we would offer these trainings, and we would often do them. Sometimes we do them in schools. Sometimes we did them in churches. But we'd start with worship. We're unapologetically Christian. And they knew that. So she comes to one of our trainings and um, go through the worship and all the rest of that. End of the morning, she comes up to us. Tears are streaming down her face. She's a very smart woman. She's got a PhD um, in education. And she says to us, um, can I talk to you? I have a problem. Absolutely. Well, she says, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's, no kidding, these are her words. It's like I've got this hole in my heart. That's what she says. And she says, when I'm around you Christians, the hole gets filled up, but I don't know how to sustain it after you leave. Do you think you could help me with that? That's her question. So I pull up my calendar. Well, I'm sorry, I'm really, really busy. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of what you pray for your whole life, that you get the opportunity to have that kind of a conversation? So Bernadette takes her to lunch, shares the gospel with her. Her life is dramatically changed. She ended up retiring from the school district, moved to San Francisco, and started church school partnerships in San Francisco. Now, is that not an incredible thing? I think Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he prayed for what he prayed. Because this is not a woman that was going to darken the doors of any of our churches. If the church didn't come to her, she would never have an interaction with the church. But um, that's what Jesus is praying. 
He's praying that our unity would be so substantive and so servant-hearted and so public and so bringing the whole body of Christ in a city together that people would come to know who he is and how much God loves them. And that's exactly what her experience was. So that's the kind of unity that Jesus is praying for. Now, in the little bit of time that we have left, um, I, I think I heard that Frank normally preaches a couple hours, right? So, <laughs> three hours. Okay, very good. So, oh, yeah, absolutely, on a different clock there, yeah. So um, in, in the few minutes that we have left, I want to take a second trip through the prayer, and this time we're going to ask the question, how is that unity achieved? Because the prayer shows us that also. It's an incredibly detailed prayer. So if we go to the next slide, it's a summary of John 17, well that's 17.23. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me, who, who he is, and that you love them just as much as you love me. That's what my friend in the school district got to experience. All right, we'll go on to the next slide. So there's a pattern in John 17 that is very well developed. This is an incredibly structured prayer, and I didn't notice how structured it was. I had actually written the first book, Jesus' Surprising Strategy, on John 17, and I still learned more after that, which is why I wrote a second book. Because um, it, it's the, God's Word is so rich that it doesn't matter how many times we read it, we still discover new truths, new nuggets there. So um, after having preached on John 17, taught on John 17, um, we were at our pastor prayer summit. I don't know, Frank, if you were at that one or not. But uh, Dennis Fuquay, our facilitator, um, started sharing ab about this pattern in John 17. And he'd been there the whole time, and I'd never seen it. So here it is. There's four petitions in John 17. Each of the four petitions gets repeated. So he prays each of them at least twice. The prayer for unity is in there four times. It's clearly the overall theme. And in between the first and the second time that Jesus prays this petition, he says how he personally fulfilled that petition, how he lived it out. So, for instance, the first one is that Jesus prays that he would glorify the Son. He prays it twice. It's in verse 1, and it's again in verse 5. And in between verse 1 and 5, Jesus says, and I brought you glory while I lived on the earth. So he talks about how he lived out that petition. So it's, it's very structured, this prayer. So the first one is glorify the Son. Well, that's how unity starts. Unity starts when we bring glory to Jesus when we lift up Jesus' name. Now, I mentioned those three different churches, the three churches I get an opportunity to be with the next three weeks. Um, there's a lot of things we could talk about that we would be different on. But when it comes to lifting up Jesus, we're all on exactly the same page. And that's where unity starts. Unity starts by giving Jesus the glory that he deserves. How many of you are married? Okay. Um, have you ever gotten, hypothetically speaking, of course, have you ever not seen eye to eye with your spouse? 
Ne never, never. Oh, I forgot I was in a Presbyterian church. And that doesn't happen here. Yeah, well, in, 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 a, in, in a Lutheran church, sometimes they don't see eye to eye. Um, so <clears throat> um, half of our squabbles would end if we just asked the question, what would bring glory to Jesus right now? Because what I'm thinking about in the squabble is what would bring glory to me. And if we just change the question, what would bring glory to Jesus, a lot of those things would just go away. They would just dissipate. They would be much less intense because we're asking the wrong question. So in every relationship, unity starts by bringing honor and glory to Jesus. What would give glory to his name? That's where it starts. All right, let's go to the next slide. Um, protect us from the enemy, Jesus prays. So if we want to see unity maintained, we need to recognize that there's an enemy, and this enemy is constantly at work. His chief strategy is to divide and conquer. That's his chief strategy. So he'll try to get you to notice things that somebody else is doing that bug you, and then he'll point out to you how much that bugs you to, to get you to have division. That's how he operates. So if we recognize that, then we're in a whole lot better shape right out of the gate to, to fight against his, his, um, his tricks and his tools. So the second part, the second prayer that Jesus prayed is protect us from the enemy. All right, let's go to the third one sanctify us in the truth. So the third petition that Jesus prays is that we would mature, that we would grow up. So let me ask you a question. Think back to the last couple of major fights that you were in. It doesn't have to be with the person you're sitting next to. It can be in any situation. Think back to the last couple of big arguments that you were a part of. All right, you got a couple? All right, what's the common denominator in all of them? You were. <laughs> you were in the conflicts that you were in, by definition. So the last part, the third petition then, is sanctify us in the truth. God, I'm part of the problem. The problem isn't just out there. Show me my blind spots. Show me where I need to grow. Show me the things that I'm doing that are part of the problem. Sanctify us in the truth. It's, it's a maturing process. All right? So the first one is glorify the Son. Second one is protect us from the enemy. The third one is sanctify us in the truth. And you put those three together, and that's how you get the last one, which is um, make us one. Look at that. It's the GPS. Those three petitions are the roadmap for unity. It's so easy to remember. It's our GPS. It's how we get to unity. And so I, um, that has completely changed my prayer life by realizing that I can pray right alongside Jesus. And if I'm, if I'm stepping into a meeting that I know is going to be contentious, 
I pray what Jesus prayed. Jesus, would you be glorified in this conversation? Protect us from the enemy because he's going to try to get us to divide. And then sanctify us in the truth. Show me my part of the problem, my blind spots. Help me to grow. It affects how I pray for my adult children. It affects how I pray for my wife, and when, especially if we're not seeing eye to eye at the moment. Um, it makes such a difference. It can make a difference in your congregation. It'll make a difference in the citywide church. It's Jesus' roadmap for unity, and we get to be part of the answer to Jesus' prayer just by praying the same kinds of things that Jesus prayed. Let's paraphrase John 17, 23 one more time. And I'd like to end here. The last slide, I think, should have it on there. May we be brought to complete unity to let Tucson know who Jesus is and how much God loves them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of being one body, both inside these walls and between these walls. And both within our city and between cities in our nation. And both within our nation and between the nations of the world. God, your one body is truly one with so many different rich and beautiful parts to it. Thank you for the privilege of coming alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ. God, help us to pray like you prayed. Help us to be part of the answer to your prayer in all that we would do and say. And we give you the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I am happy today and the sun shines bright The clouds have been rolled Surely me.
us pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we'll pray for unity. Pray for unity throughout all of your people. And Lord, may we glorify you. We'll start with glorifying you and knowing that you will protect us. And Lord, that you will sanctify that which, that which is done in your son's name. So let us learn from this. Let us become, let it, us become stronger in our relationship with you. And let us know, remember, that you are always the answer. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God be with you till we meet again. Eyes, counsels, guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with us till we meet again. Go in peace. Mm -hmm. That's a nice prayer.